praise the Lord. Thank you. Great song. One of my favorite songs, actually. And uh, boy, that's what we need. We need to stand. And we're increasingly living in a culture that really, when it comes to the Christian life, we're going to stand out anyway. We might as well take a stand. And uh, really just goes with what we're going to be preaching on this morning in Daniel chapter 1, if we could turn back there, please. And it's good to see you this morning and appreciate the good spirit today. And I'm glad that we can still have the freedom, the liberty to open the word of God. But we ought not to take that for granted, church. Um, you know, I think we're living in times where increasingly things that were so normal to us uh, in our upbringing and in the past, it's just becoming more and more controversial. Things that just are plain and simple and really obvious is becoming more and more, um, how do we say this, uh, sensationalism is really what the, the it's all sensationalist. And, and we're, we're living in a time where, you know, the basic things of, of even gender and marriage and, you know, freedom of choice and all of that, it's just becoming more and more shouted down. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we're in those times where there's a, there's a great deal of, of a culture that is anti-Bible being imposed upon us. And I'll tell you, it's going to only increase as we see the day coming of the rapture and the end times. There's going to be a falling away first. And there's, we're living in those times. Uh, the other day, uh, my wife had an appointment over in the Gold Coast, and so... At the moment, she's recovering, so I appreciate all of those. You've been praying for her, but she's, she's still not quite able to drive yet. The, the surgeon suggested that uh, she take a little bit more time on that, so I've been doing all of the driving, and uh, I think, I'm not sure my wife's enjoyed that because she doesn't have a high regard for my driving, so um, she generally just goes to sleep, right? So that's how she deals with that, but we went and we, we drove down to the Gold Coast, and she had a, a several hours appointment, so... I found the local, you know, cafe and, and just sat there, just studied as I normally do on a, on a Wednesday morning. I was sitting there and uh, after a while, I think an hour had passed, a young lady sat um, at the table next to me with her young baby. I think she had a, a three-month-old and so it was her first one. She began to um, just, you know, play with the baby, try to get her to sleep and then uh, someone came and joined her and I believe it was a, her pastor's wife. And so, new mom, appointment with pastor's wife, they were just having a chat about raising children and all of that. And so, you know, I was just sitting there and I thought, oh, that's nice. The pastor's wife goes and just sits with a new mom and they were chatting away and they were talking a little bit about child rearing and the, the mom was talking about, you know, keeping them in, on schedule and all of that and they always at, at bed at 7.30 and so forth. And, and I thought, oh, that must be nice, right? So began to talk about that, and, and before long, the, the subject of, um, you know, what school do your children go to came up, and uh, the young mom asked this to the, uh, the pastor's wife, and so she began talking about her school, and she began talking about how her school is this way, they have pastoral care, and all of that, and all good things, it was a Christian school, and then she began to say, you know, but we're not like that school that was in the news a couple of months ago. That, you know, they, they made their, their family sign a contract about this and that. And 
Um, you know, the, and really what that contract was, as I, I've looked into it, it was just to affirm genders. Male and female, the Bible says, created he them. But this, this lady was going on about it, and she used the words like, oh, we're not, we're not like them. That's, you know, that's so discriminatory. That's discrimination. She, she began to talk about this pastor's wife. Oh, they're so exclusive. That's, so, that's just exclusion. And we don't want our kids in that kind of environment where they just affirm that. And, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus wasn't very strong about genders anyway. And at that point, you know, I was sitting there and um, just to be honest, I was, couldn't help but eavesdrop because they were right next to me. But, but at that point, I just, and I don't normally do this, but I just at this point, I said, um, excuse me, can, can I just, can I just tell you a little bit about what actually Jesus said? And I went through and, you know, in several chapters there, Jesus himself affirms male and female. I said, actually, in the New Testament, all right, Jesus did that. And I, we began to talk a little bit. I wasn't, I said, I, I don't mean to, you know, to correct you, but actually I am. I just had to say something because this was a, a, a young mom who's got a two-month-old, three-month-old, and she was being directed this way. And I just began to think, how, how much is it that we're just in the flow of things as a, as a culture. This is where it's heading. And it's even infiltrating, I think, at times, the philosophies and the, the mindsets that we have. I want to tell you that none of that is controversial. It's just Bible. All right? None of that was really what was being described as discrimination or exclusion. But what it was is it's a, it's a predominant culture that's starting to be imposed on God's people. And we better do what the song said we better take a stand. And we better be the type of people that start to think that, you know, we can't be in this mindset that, oh, well, everything will continue as it was. Listen, there's going to be pressure on us as God's people to conform. And there's going to be pressure on us as God's people to, to take certain stands as we go along. And we've got to ask ourselves, then, how do we live in a time when the corrupt culture of our day is being blatantly imposed upon us? We've got to be prepared, and we've got to start to think that way. And I think we can learn from Daniel, who was taken captive with his group of friends here, uh, as well as many other of, the, of God's people in that time. And they were taken into this time where they were in a foreign land, and there was a certain culture that was being imposed upon them. And there's lessons for us to learn here, because if we start to look down the horizon, it's not really a question of if, it's when. And we've got to just start to think about that. And notice here with me a couple of things as we think about Daniel, who really, when you think about it, lived in a culture that was blatantly in opposition to his faith. He was taken captive here in Babylon. And yet in the midst of that, we see and we know Daniel's story. Really, he's shone, right? The Bible tells us that Daniel was a man greatly beloved by God. When there was pressure to conform we know this, Daniel and his friends, they didn't bend, they didn't bow. And what lessons can we learn from Daniel that really allowed him to live a faithful life, a committed life in the midst of a culture that was trying to impose upon his beliefs? Notice here with me, firstly, in verse 8. Verse 8, we read these verses earlier, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. 
Daniel was, had a, a belief that was in line with what God expected of the Jewish people of the time, that there were certain things that they weren't to partake of. There were certain things that were not to, they were not to eat of. And so he took a stand. And, and the first thing that we noticed about Daniel was he purposed in his heart that he would not. And here's the first thing I want to tell you. You've got to be prepared, firstly, with solid convictions. All right, you've got to be prepared with solid convictions. I, know, I think it was last week or the week before I mentioned that uh, even at university, and, and do pray, pray for our university students. They often are bombarded with that, whether they notice it or not. But it's just in that, in that environment where they're, it's the, not even... It's not even postmodernism or modernism. It's just post-truth that is being pumped into their psyches, and you've got to you've got to pray for them because they they they're really at the coal face, so to speak. But I remember when I even while I was in uni, all of that stuff, the the rhetoric about you know how to how to prove the Bible's wrong. There's just posters everywhere about that. There were posters about you know how to. How to know that, um, that, that the church you go to is incorrect. It was very blatant. And, and maybe it was just the university I went to. It was a local one. But I don't know what it was. But there was just a, it just seemed to be uh, just, a, just a blatant undermining of, of the truth that really society in, in, in many ways has been, uh, has been founded on. You know, the, the manner of life that we live today is very much as a result of the order that comes from the, just the principles of the Word of God. And we all benefit from it. We all enjoy it. But I'll tell you now, it's slowly but surely, and maybe I shouldn't say slowly, it's just steadily being eroded. And so when that starts to shift, here's what we need to do. We need to be solid about our convictions. And Daniel purposed in his heart, the word purpose there means that it, became, it came preformed. That means he made up his mind before it happened. That means he had already thought through that if this was to happen, then he was going to obey God's plan, that he was going to obey God's truth, that uh, as, as he was going to, uh, looking ahead, as he was seeing the, the writing on the wall, so to speak, he was, he was already forming and had preformed those convictions in his heart. You know, I think all of us here, we're, we're, we tend to be reactionary. There's a lot in the Bible that talks about just, just looking ahead and making sure that we're preparing ourselves. And, and the, the Bible tells us even that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, and what we're dealing with is the shifting sands of today, and we need, we need a, a, a Christians who would be singular in mind to have preformed convictions, that have solid convictions in which they're going to live their lives. In a day of moral relativity, have you resolved what you stand for? Have you resolved that? And notice what we see about Daniel's convictions that aided him when the culture was being imposed upon him. Firstly, it was internal. He says that we note that Daniel purposed it in his heart. He didn't just give mental assent to it. He didn't just somewhat know it as, as a factual thing. No, he purposed it in his heart. It was at the core of who he was. That's what it means. It was in his heart. 
It was something that was drilled down deep so that when it was bombarded with all of the circumstances and all of the, the different things that the, this culture was trying to impress upon him, it was untouchable. It was at his core. And what we see is that it was internal. It, was, it wasn't just an outward show. It emanated from a reality within. And, and I, I think many of us here this, this morning would do well to just begin with this. Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? If someone was to sit with you, if someone was to accuse you and you had to defend a truth, could you defend it? And is, would it be something that is real with you? I think about what, uh, what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. It says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He knows, firstly, if it's deep down inside you or is it, if it's for show. He knows if it's just a convenient truth that while it's accepted, you, you just go with, or if it's something that's deep down drilled inside you that's at the core of who you are. You know, it, it's not that we, uh, we just have this appearance. The, the Bible tells us that actually when, when it comes down to it, we don't commend ourselves about that. No, it ought to be not something that we glory in the appearance of something, but in the heart. It ought to be an internal thing. It ought to be at the core of the value of who you are. And, you know, often we're satisfied, I think, with our appearance of conviction. But when the, when the test comes, when the rubber meets the road, is it something that is at your core? Is it real? Or is it just a convenient truth? You know, we often quote this verse in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And we understand we do have the word of God that ought to form and inform our convictions. They ought to be embedded down. And, you know, it's not just a good life group kid's memory verse. It's just a good truth to live by, to hide God's word in our heart, to, to just have it embedded in there so that we might not sin. Sin is just the transgression of the law. Sin is just to go against God. You know, there's going to be pressure on us to go against God's design of things, and we better have God's Word hidden in our hearts. It better be just deep down in there, and it better just be something that is at your core. In Proverbs 19, 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And so it's not just about the many devices, how you feel about a certain truth, how you feel about a certain thing. No, it's that's the, the thing that, that, that's going to cause you to stand. It's the counsel of the Lord that will cause you to stand. It's that thing that, that is just a deep-seated conviction. And what we see that uh, about Daniel was he just had solid convictions. It was in his heart, but also it was articulated. It wasn't just something that was inside that was internal, it was also articulated, you know, eventually Daniel expresses it. He, he says there that uh, he, he speaks to those of the, uh, of the eunuchs who uh, said, you know, you're, you're going to give this, there's a portion of the king's meat. And you know, Daniel didn't sit there silently, he spoke up. It was articulated. Daniel had the ability to express what he believed. He, he didn't just take it inside, he declared it. And you know, we see that in different, uh, different 
characters in the Bible, but you know, all of us here, there's something that ought to be inside that needs to come out. And I'll tell you what, you know, one of the things that I think sometimes we just sort of don't have a, at, at times we might feel like we don't have a platform. It's just their conviction about the way to God, right? It's just the gospel. It's just about telling, you know, I'm, I'm all for at times where we take a stand publicly on certain things that are being put out there. But we ought to just start with just a conviction about how do we get to God? Do you know how to share it with someone, how to share with someone the, the, the way to God, the gospel? That's the good thing inside of our hearts. And, you know, what we find today is just when you declare truth, it gets shouted down. And, and there's a, we, have, we live in a loud world. You, you ever speak up in, in a, any, any forum where there's a mixed crowd, there's going to be people that will shout you down. But I want to tell you, don't allow the loudness of this world to silence you. Okay, the, someone said it well, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. But I want to add to that, for good men to say nothing. It needs to be articulated. Okay, this doesn't mean we're argumentative. I don't believe in that. I don't think that we ought to have a spirit that every single time we just get into an argument. Hey, can I just tell you, no one ever argued anyone into heaven. But when it does, time, it does come uh, time to speak, we ought to speak. You know, in grace, we can speak. The Bible says, speak the truth in what? Love. You know, sometimes the best thing to do in, in to love someone is to speak to them the truth. And we ought to be, as we internalize it, then have the ability then to articulate it. And, and winning an argument is not the same as winning a soul. But we've got to be able to articulate in, in clear and passionate manner what we believe. You ought to be, be covered with the fact that the Word of God is at your core. And if the question is asked about what we believe, about what's happening in our day, about what we see and the, uh, the evils of it, are we able to articulate that? Or is it just a repetition of a YouTube video? Or repetition of a, something else and... And, and, and we ought to have the ability to articulate. But you know what else it was, this conviction? It was actually also actionable. Because again, we won't take the time, but you study through Daniel, all of it just flowed out in his life. It was actionable. You know, the, the faith that we have is not a dead faith. It doesn't lie dormant in our hearts. It doesn't lie in just the speeches that we make. No, it's best proven in the actions that we take. Live like it. You know, Daniel lived the way that he was convicted. His convictions flowed out of his life. You are well aware of the story of Daniel and the lions then. In fact, if you're a kid, you would have gotten a coloring page, right? That's the picture, Daniel in the lion's den. You know, the only reason he was there was he actioned his faith. You know what that action was? He just prayed. <laughs> he prayed openly. He showed it. And, you know, the, the, best, the best advertisement for the truth is a life that lives the truth. Is a life that lives with conviction. It's a life that doesn't just go with the flow at times, but goes against the grain of things. And, and our convictions, they ought to have a practical output. 
You know, it's not just a, it's not just a, it's not just a, an academic assent to things. No, our convictions, if they are truly believed, will have a display or a, or a demonstration in our lives. You know, this is an important demonstration of truth. We believe that we are to give God the first day. This is the beginning of the week. That's why it's not just a casual thing that we sort of go, well, do we attend church or not? No, no, it's a visible demonstration that we say, that what we say we will do. What the Bible says is true. When we go about, and, and in, in you, or all of you who are, are married, you know, marriage is a wonderful thing. But it's a picture of a greater truth of Christ and His bride. And listen, it's not just the time when we, when we have weddings that we're reminded about that. No, it ought to be that every day, that ought to be a reminder to our children. That ought to be a reflection. And there ought to be a joy about that. And there ought to be something that is, is, is just right about it that we demonstrate to this world that is often confused about that. There's, there's more at stake than you realize. And even simple things like just being joyful through the troubles. Hey, listen, in this world we shall find tribulation. In Him we'll have peace. You know, I think sometimes we can be, we can just take on the spirit of the world of being bothered. And that's, that's at times not a great advertisement for who we are in Christ. We're meant to... We're meant to be overcomers. We're meant to be conquerors. We're meant to be victorious in the Lord. And yet sometimes we can be in the doldrums. And I know there's seasons of that. But we ought to overcome just like Jesus overcame. And there ought to be that advertisement of the conviction of who we are in Christ. You know, he, he had solid convictions. They were internal. They were articulated. They were actionable. But what we see, notice in verse 4 about Daniel as well is he, was went against the grain. Notice in verse 4, children in whom was no blemish, Notice, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science. And such had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. And notice what they wanted to do, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now it seems to me, again, that these these. These ones, Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, they were already, they already had something in them. Okay, they had wisdom. They they were already understanding of science and all of that. God had already gifted them with certain knowledge and abilities. But notice what they wanted to do. They wanted to replace that and teach them the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. They wanted to replace what was already in there with something else. And, and they, Daniel speaks up. He says, you know, we won't take the portion of the king's meat. And you, you think about that. This wasn't just a country that he was standing against. This was a, an empire that stretched the majority of the world. He was standing against that kind of force. And so Daniel comes and he says that. And in, in verse 5, he, he says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, of, of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. And it, the 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 king of this world had his own purpose for them. But you know what Daniel was, was willing to do as he spoke up? He was actually, not only had formed solid convictions, he was willing to be counter 
cultural. He, wa- he was willing to be cancel-cultural. He, he was willing to stand up to those that were the majority. You know, I, I'm not sure if we could really pinpoint, you could look at historical records about the amount of children, the, the well-favored children that, these, that this, this empire had taken to turn them into their own assets. But amongst all of them, it was only Daniel and those that we read about that were willing to go against the grain. It seemed like they just, the others had no choice. They sort of just went with it. But what we see here is he was willing to be countercultural. And, you know, the, 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 the world today and the system of it will want you to conform. See, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we know these verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says in verse 2, and be not conformed. Okay, be not conformed to this world. That's going with the flow. That's just being like the world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, God's expectation for us is that we would lay down our lives as a living sacrifice. He doesn't want conformity. He wants transformation. And God's looking for those who will just be go against the grain of things, willing to be countercultural. And Daniel was willing to do that, to swim upstream, to go against the grain, to stand out in the crowd, and yet the world wants you to conform to the culture it's imposing. The world wants you to, to, to just label the things that, that they want labeled. They, they want you to be tolerant to the things they're tolerant to, and the world will always want you to use its term, terminology and wants you to, to have the same tastes as they do. That's the world we live in. And what God calls sin, we better call sin. What God calls good, we better call good. And what God calls evil, we better call evil. Because woe unto them if you call evil good and good evil. We, we better take a stand. We, we better just have the mindset that, look, this is God's expectation of us. And God calls us out so that we can live this separate life that is a witness for Him. And you know, that was always God's expectation. Right from the beginning, look at Leviticus. Look at Leviticus chapter 18. And notice a couple of verses here, verses 1 to 5. And, and, and God knows the, the heart of His people and the, the tendency. So He warns them through Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. And notice what he says, after the doings of the land of Egypt wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. So he's saying, currently you're in Egypt. He says, don't do that. Then he's saying, you're going to Canaan, don't do what they do. You shall do my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. And he's saying to them, look, you are going to have a tendency to want to go with the grain, to want to go with the flow, to just sort of want to blend in and sort of not want to stand. And I want to tell you that that's not my expectation of you, that you're supposed to be in many ways counter to that. And what Daniel was willing and what God's expecting is that we're just willing to be awkward at times. 
You, you, ever, you ever notice people who are just awkward? You know, young people, they just, they don't like to be awkward. You know, that awkward moment, right? You're, you're chatting along, everything's loud, and suddenly there's that awkward silence, and you're just looking around. You just, there's just that feeling, right? And, and no one likes to feel awkward. No one likes to feel like everyone's sort of looking at them, and they're sort of standing out and sticking out. But I'll tell you what, you know, if you do any kind of research, I can confirm to you that no one ever died by being awkward. No one did. Okay, there's joy at times, even in the small suffering that we face in being awkward for Christ and just sort of saying what needs to be said and doing what needs to be done. You know, he was willing also to be labeled. Later on, we see in, in Daniel chapter 6, he was actually, he was beyond labeled, he was targeted. In fact, turn there with me, look at chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6. Notice verse 4, then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. You know, he was just so committed and consistent. Notice verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel. Notice what they say, Except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So the, Daniel, the thing that they can only accuse him of was that he was, he was faithful to God. That he was just who he said he was. And so he was labeled. You know, the, the world and our culture today loves to label things. You know, they're going to label you different things to what God labels you. If you stand for him, you're going to be labeled a bigot. You're going to be labeled irrelevant. You're going to be labeled someone who just is ignorant. But you know what God labels you? He labels you as faithful. He labels you as a saint. He labels you as someone who will be a soldier for him. And, and those labels are the labels that we ought to be mindful of and that we ought to care about, but the world's going to label you. And Daniel, I'm sure, would have called, been called all manner of things by those who belonged and embraced the culture. But even though he, he still, God blessed him and he rose through the ranks so that the, the number of people who disliked him just continued to grow, but he was labeled. And, and none of us here, we, we don't like to, again, feel that sense of being stood out. But I want to tell you that, that, again, in good conscience, if they speak evil of you as evildoers, okay, that, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. We ought to care about what, what Jesus and what God labels us, you know, who was willing to be awkward, who was willing to be labeled, who was willing to be targeted. You know who else was that? Jesus. Jesus, throughout his, the course of his life here, he was, he was named a whole lot of things. He, he went through all of that, and he went through all of that suffering so that he could die on the cross of Calvary and willingly lay down his life for you and I. And you know what? Because of that, your life and my life changed. He stood up. And he, he took the, the brunt of 
all of that, and he was willing to be just like Daniel targeted. He was targeted for all of that he believed, and there will be times. You know, there, there are the enemy forces at bay, and, and the, in Acts 19.15, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? You know, it just implies that there were those who were the spiritual forces knew about. In Matthew 5.11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Hey, that doesn't sound like a good recipe for happiness, but blessed are ye. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. You know, we will be marked by heaven for good. And I want to tell you that, that there will be times where you'll be awkward. It will be awkward to sort of say in the moment. It will be then a labeling and then at times maybe an even a targeting. I was sitting with, with a fellow who lived in Christchurch and I was just chatting with him about the, the situation over how that is and all of that. And he was saying that, that the, the biggest school there where his kids go to, it's just really just Christian in name. And his son, who actually is a, quite, a, quite a sportsman, he, was, he went to a sports camp and just because he was a Christian, he was cornered by the rest of his teammates and began to, began to say things to him and try to challenge him about certain things and all because they know he's a Christian. That's just New Zealand, all right? That's just across the ditch. <laughs> it's not another world away. That's within our vicinity. Again, I'm not trying to be sensationalist this morning, but I'm just saying there's a pattern. It's, it's, it's meant to be that way at times. And, you know, if you will be countercultural, you're going to be willing to be awkward, labeled, and targeted for his cause. I want to tell you, you'll be counted a friend of God. And, and, he, and D- Daniel was. He was, you know, he was well-beloved. That, that's what the, his title was before God. But he was willing to do that. But then lastly and really quickly, Look at verse 12, Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. Notice there. So he responds, he says, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee. Ten days and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee. And the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he said, he, he said, prove. When he says, prove thy servants, what he was, he was also implying was, prove my God. Because he was standing on what God had expected of him. And here's the last thing, if we're going to go against the grain, you're going to need to form some solid convictions you're going to need to be willing to, at times, be countercultural. But then lastly, he was also unafraid to prove God's way. He said, prove thy servants. He says, you'll see. You know, many times we, we go ahead and at times even embrace the culture because we're fearful that down at the depths of it, maybe God had gotten it wrong. But can God get it wrong? No. You know, we have the, the, the Word of God that He's preserved for us. We have it right here. And it's plain and simple in our language. And, and God's saying, this is my testimony, this is my mind. 
And we have the answer, but are we willing to then prove it? Can we prove God's way? You know, just because the majority says it doesn't make it right. Right? The Bible tells us, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You remember the majority of the spies feared, and only two had faith. And just because the majority shouts it and the majority declares it doesn't make it truth. You know, it was the crowd. It was the crowd that was yelling, crucify him, crucify him. It was the crowd. And, and the majority doesn't make it right. You know, we've got to listen then to the pages of Scripture to guide our compass. And, and I want to remind you that in the end, God's wisdom is higher than man's wisdom. You know, the, the researchers and the scientists can say whatever they want. But that, does, that, that doesn't overcome and that doesn't prove wrong the truth of the Word of God. It, it doesn't. In fact, if it's true science, it'll fall in line with the truth of the Word of God. And that's got to be our guide. That's got to be our compass. And God's wisdom is higher than man's wisdom. You know, it's not just that we, we are in this time. Actually, God purposed that we would be in this time. And so, actually, God looked at eternity, and in his mind, he knew that you and I will be here in this 2022, where there's an increasingly imposed culture of, of just opposition to the things of the Word of God. And, you know, it's, gonna, it's probably going to get a little worse, but we better be prepared then. We better not take for granted that we can open the Word of God. We better not take it for granted that it's to the point where it's just sitting on our shelf. And it, I, I think I read a, a quote this week by Charles Spurgeon. He says, some of you, you've got enough dust on the covers of your Bibles that you can write the word Ichabod. <laughs> and, and I think sometimes we just have this mentality that we're just... just Christianity is just part of our life. Listen, is that at your core of who you are? Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not. Some of us need to preform some convictions because looking down, we're going to see some things. And can I tell you, parents, we better help our children preform some convictions too. Because like it or not, the world is catechizing your children. And we better start to form some of those convictions that are in their heart. That's why we still believe in life group. You know why? It's Sunday school. I still believe in that because we need, to, we need our children knowing. I still believe that we still need the Word of God preached from the pulpits of this land. I still believe that the only answer to man's ills is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I still believe that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. I still believe that marriage is still between a man and a woman for life and that God would have it, that that is a picture of the, the, the bride of Christ and the, the, the fulfillment that the bride finds. I still believe that children ought to obey their parents. I still believe that, that 
the Bible has the answer and has every instruction for life and godliness, and we better take a stand because we're living in a day increasingly wanting to impose and stamp and conform us to another image. But we're supposed to be conformed to the image and transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's still the plan. And whether we live now or in another couple of years, we're going to see God's way will be best. Let's follow along. Let's be the Christians who are right now just going, what are my convictions? What, what am I preforming? What am I preforming in the lives of my children? And what am I helping them navigate through this time? And what are we willing to do? Are we willing to be countercultural at times? Get a little awkward? Be labeled? Be targeted? Why? Because Jesus is worthy. Because his plan works. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We love you. Lord, we're, we live in a post-Eden, post-fall, post-truth world. And Father, there, there's never been a time where really just spiritually, there's great danger with the, just the misinformation and the blatant deception that is out there. And Father, we, your people, you've given us stewardship of this time. Lord, you've called us to serve in this generation. And so I pray, Father, that you'd strengthen us, Lord, just with the testimony of Daniel that you've recorded for us. And then, Lord, looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith, who willingly, willingly was countercultural to his day and age. And then, Lord, because of that, looking ahead, we were, were saved and we have the truth. And so I pray that you'd help us even today to just already just settle in our heart, Lord, that we would follow you, that we would just be the kind of people, Lord, who'd be willing to pay the price. The piano can begin to play with heads bowed, eyes closed. We're going to have a time of invitation. And if the Lord worked on your heart and just some things that you're, you, you're just wanting to commit to the Lord this morning, I want to invite you to this altar. I want to invite you to a time of prayer, maybe with your families, that you would just commit to, to teach them, to guide them, to show them to demonstrate to them the, the truth of God's way, of, of God's word. Maybe there's some of you, if I were to ask you this question, if you were saved, if you were to die today, would you know for sure if Jesus is your savior? If you can't answer that with a, with a clarity, with 100% understanding, then please don't leave this place without knowing. If you're listening online, I pray that God's helped you as well. But let's pray today as a church. Let's just uh, give our hearts to the Lord. Take our time this morning, and then we'll look forward to seeing you again this evening.